0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you and enjoy. Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 7, then I'll read Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 4. And it says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it nor touch it, lest you die. Look at somebody and say, don't touch it look at somebody else and look at somebody else and say don't touch it. <laughs> then the serpent said to the woman, "You will surely not die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." Interestingly enough, to say in Genesis chapter 1, God had already made man and woman in his own image and in his likeness. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. So the devil was trying to get them to second guess what God had already said. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate and both of their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Matthew chapter four, verse one through four, and we'll let you sit down. It says this, then Jesus was led up by the spirit. Everybody say by the spirit. Spirit. In the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and nights afterward, he was hungry. And now the tempter came to him and he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You may have your seats. Before we get started, I want to welcome all the online viewers on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We pray that God touches you right where you're at and you receive encouragement from his word. Last week, I preached a message entitled, Thanksgiving's Reward. Who all was here for that? Uh, Just a quick recap on that message. I was a little nervous about it. I didn't want to preach your typical Thanksgiving message. But basically, the message was regarding the 10 lepers. And only one of the 10 lepers who got healed by Jesus returned to Jesus to give him thanks. Thanks. And so I preached this message called Thanksgiving's Reward because the one leper out of the 10, is he's the only one who returned to the Lord to give thanks. And as a result, he received a greater blessing. He wasn't only cleansed like the other lepers. The Bible said he was made whole. Because if you can get cleansed, you can get dirty again. If you can get healed, you can get sick again. But this specific leper who returned got whole, not just healed. And so... The message was about what God does for you when you have a thankful heart, the kind of blessings that you invite into your life, perpetual blessings, mean it happens over and over. How many in here have kids? How many in here have teenagers? Oh, Lord, if you only knew. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I have found this out, that the child that you have that is most thankful, you're more inspired to give them more. Versus the child who feels entitled. God is like that. It's not that you love your eldest child less. It's that you're more apt to give more to those who are thankful. And we serve a God who's like that. Who's ready to bless you. Who's ready to open up the windows of heaven. But many times we don't receive the greatest measure of God's blessings in our life. Or a greater degree. Not because he doesn't love you. But sometimes we don't have a very thankful heart. And so that's what last week's message was. It was, again, entitled um, um, Thanksgiving's Reward. Everybody say Thanksgiving's Reward. Well, this week I am going to clean up a mess that I made. um, Because there are some discrepancies, not in the message necessarily, but in in having a thankful heart. Don't leave yet, just let me explain that to you. As I walked into Thanksgiving on um, Thursday uh, with a huge thankful heart in the mountains of North Carolina, my wife and I drove about 10 hours back down last night, didn't get home till about eight o'clock. It was a bit of a rough ride. I was contemplating on how I would communicate this message to you. And the reasons why I say there were some discrepancies in um, having a thankful heart, I didn't realize at what type of an appetite I would have by being so thankful. How many have been hungry one moment and then you get frustrated at your child or your spouse and you're not hungry the, the next minute? Do you understand? So I found out that by going into Thanksgiving this, uh, this year, by having this, all of this thankfulness in me, I didn't realize that I would come back from North Carolina weigh, weighing about six more pounds than when I went up to Thanksgiving. And so today, I want to preach a message entitled, The Danger of an appetite. Look at somebody and say, the danger of an appetite. Now this morning, this is going to be a bit of a fun message, at least for me. Um, You might be thinking to yourself, what do you mean by a dangerous appetite or the danger of an appetite? And I thought appetites were a good thing. Well, that is true. Here's the the problem for the Christian or the the believer. um, Because If your appetite gets directed towards things that were never meant to be a part of your spiritual life and would promote spiritual growth in your personal life. And so as a believer, we have to be careful about the types of appetites we allow in our life. I wish somebody would say amen to that. We have to be careful what we're hungry for. The Bible says those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. But have you ever thought about in your own Christian life, in your own walk with Jesus, the things that you actually hunger for, if we're very honest, the, the type of things that we have appetites for, maybe things that not, aren't necessarily bad, but aren't holy or aren't promoting growth in your own personal life. And so, but before you do that, I, I want us to do this. I want us to evaluate, do an appetite evaluation. Everybody say appetite evaluation. Have you ever paid attention to your own desires? Desires reveal a lot about a person. Our pursuits, what we want to do for a living, what we desire comes Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Do we desire God or do we desire sleep? I wish we could have both, but you really can't have both. Can somebody say amen to that? Our desires reveal what our priorities are. When I look at Adam, and the reason why I read, uh, about, read in Genesis chapter 3 and I read in Matthew chapter 4 is because there is a correlation. There is a tie between Genesis and Matthew. There's a correlation that I want to make this morning. But when I, took, when I take a look at Adam and Eve's appetite, their, their desire to be more like God wasn't necessarily wrong. It wasn't wrong. Look at somebody and say, it wasn't wrong. They ate of the fruit because they thought the fruit would make them more like God. It was how they went about satisfying their desire that created the problem. And this is the problem with most of us in our walk with the Lord. It's not that you desire wrong things. It's it's about how we go about getting those things in our lives. Let me explain that to you. There is a quote from a man. I won't mention his name. He's a man of God. He says this, sin is a legitimate desire being fulfilled in an illegitimate way. Mm. It's, it's, it's not that intimacy is wrong, young people. It's a, as a matter of fact, it's awesome. And all the married people should say amen and hallelujah to that. Amen. It's not a bad thing. It's, the problem is when it's done outside of the marriage bed. It's not that money is a bad thing. It's when we're willing to lie, cheat, and steal in order to get that money. It's not that having fun, come on, it's not that having fun is a bad thing with friends. Come on, it's when you spend more time with your friends and your buddies or your your sisters more than your spouse, then you have a problem. I'm talking about fulfilling legitimate desires in an illegitimate way. It's not that the phone is a terrible thing and all the young people should say amen to that. It's when you'd rather be on it versus spending quality time with family when it becomes a problem. It's not that social media is wrong, but if your self-esteem is based on how many likes you have, then it becomes a problem. Do you see that the problem wasn't them wanting the fruit and becoming like God? It was about the fact that God said, don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't do this. So they were trying to fulfill their own needs thinking it was God, right? I'm going to be like God. But by them taking the fruit, they got the negative effect from taking the fruit. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have to be careful about doing things that we think are God and ending up with the wrong results. There's too many people who are going in certain directions in their lives. And as a matter of fact, they're, they're out of step with the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful about trying to go after things Oh, and asking God to bless them when God's not gonna bless. Listen, I, let me explain this to you. I'm refraining from being going in detail. Do you know how many people I've spoke to who think, thinks the Lord told them that they're supposed to be with a person who's already married? It's a godly thing to be married, but it's not okay just because those spouses aren't getting along and they're getting ready for divorce doesn't mean you need to step in on that marriage. You hear what I'm saying? And we need to, as a church, we need to preach on holiness again. We need to preach on truth again. Do you know how many people, I've, I've heard them come to me and say, yes, but this job pays really well. I want to say to them, do you forget you're a Christian? The Bible says, stay away from even the appearance of evil. So if we, we can't, we can't do wrong and ask for God's blessing. We can't step in a realm where God's presence is not even welcome and ask for his blessings. 2 Corinthians says this, examine, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, and I'm going to get into this. Is this okay this morning? It says examine, that word examine also means evaluate yourselves as to whether or not you're in the faith. Come on, I'm talking talking about giving yourself an appetite evaluation. What do I really hunger, hunger for? Sometimes we just need to think about what we think about. Come on, evaluate yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are indeed disqualified? Lately, I've been paying more attention to my energy levels. uh, Because of my particular career path and the job that I do, I have to maintain a healthy level of energy. My morning starts generally around 5 a.m. every day. Um, with the exception of Saturday, which is the only, that's my holy day. Everybody should have one holy day. Amen. Of course, Sunday's holy. Monday through Sunday's really holy, but you get what I'm saying. I, that's my day I can actually sleep, sleep past or two, seven o'clock in the morning is on Saturdays. When you have a two-year-old, you would, if you had a two-year-old, you don't understand what I'm saying. But I have to maintain this healthy energy because of some demands that I have constantly have to be on the phone overseeing projects. I do some counseling. I do diff- various things in the ministry. And a couple of months ago, I was sitting you know, in the office and I had a long day and it was probably one or two o'clock. It's generally when I get here around 12, one, maybe two o'clock, I, I, I get to the building. I've finished my work day pretty much and I invest in ministry preparation. And I was really tired for a couple of months And uh, I started thinking to myself, why am I so tired? I'm not going to be able to handle this. And I'm I'm not a coffee drinker. Look at everybody gasping. (gasps) He's not a coffee drinker. If I drink coffee, I'm literally bouncing off the walls. See, most Southerners don't talk this fast, right? I'm already hyper. I've already got a lot of energy. I'm up at 5 a.m. I like to go exercise. But if I have coffee, I'm literally everywhere. Well, I started really feeling lethargic. And so I started thinking, the Lord's like, look at what you're eating. I'm like, there it is. And so I've started bringing my mother. So my mother sells food uh, during the week to different, you know, some of my employees and things like that. And they're grilled chicken, salmon, vegetables. I started doing this for about a month. And all of a sudden, my energy levels started to spike through the roof. And I started feeling real re-energized and I haven't had to drink as much coffee. I'm feeling great. Come four, 4.30. I'm not crashing like you normally would, you know, from my workday. day. And, and I started thinking to myself, it wasn't, it wasn't that I was living wrong. It was what I was putting in my body. I had to start evaluating my appetites. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. When you feel depressed, you have to start looking what you're feeding on. When you're feeling stressed out, or you're feeling in fear and you're wringing your hands over your situation, it's not, listen, the world is never gonna change. The world will be the world, but the believer has to be careful what they're putting in themselves because it will begin to manifest externally. So this morning, I'm trying to challenge you to evaluate your appetite. What are you feeding yourself? That's what I had to ask myself. I was feeling a certain way, not based on what was happening in my environment. It was what I was putting in. Look at somebody and nudge them and say, what are you putting in you? So listen, if you are feeling depressed, start reading some verses about joy. Come on. If you're feeling in fear... Start declaring the word of God and say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. What are you hungry for this morning? What are you putting in your spirit, man? Because whatever you put in your spirit, man, it will begin to affect you both mentally, spiritually, in your emotions, in your marriage, the way you raise your children, the way that you behave at work, the way that you treat your employees or your employers. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So the way that we are reacting in life or acting is a good indication of what we are putting on the inside. And as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. Next point is, don't fall, be careful, don't fall into the hunger trap. Come on, somebody say the hunger trap. Isn't it funny how in the Garden of Eden, The enemy offers Adam and Eve something they think they're hungry for, something they think they're hungry for, but but in the end, it left them emptier than before they took that fruit. Isn't it funny how the devil will tempt you to get something, go somewhere, engage in something, and then he beat you up afterwards with shame, with guilt, with condemnation? As a matter of fact, isn't it funny how whatever our flesh longs for and we finally get that thing, we finally attain it and we end up emptier than when we started. Isn't it funny when you're younger, you think you need a certain girlfriend or you think you need a certain man and he needs to look and act a certain way and then you get older? Come on. Am I talking to you? What I used to think I needed, I don't necessarily need anymore. The Boaz expectation changes. She doesn't need to look like Jennifer Lopez as long as she remains faithful to me. Come on, somebody say amen. This is where you have to be careful and you have to make sure you don't fall into the hunger trap. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They hungered for something and they finally got it and they ended up thirstier and hungrier than when they started. And this is exactly how the flesh works. And you have to be careful not to fall into the hunger trap because the enemy knows exactly what to put in your face. He knows exactly what kind of person. He knows exactly what kind of environment to put you in, to put you under a certain amount of stress, to get you to fall. Because once you fall, you end up hungrier than, where you, when, than when you first started. But Jesus didn't have this same, this same reaction like we read in Matthew chapter 4. He was offered something he was hungry for, but he didn't eat it. Because he had another food the Bible talks about he was feeding on. Spiritual food. He said, I have food of which you don't even know. And for the believer, we have to be careful on what we feed on. Because have you ever thought about this? Hollywood has all the money. If you think about movie stars, they have all the money, all the luxuries and comforts that a person could ever want. And yet, most of them, I said most, not all, are empty. And it's not because they're lacking money or lacking luxury. And for the believer, we should, it doesn't matter what kind of condition we are in, we should be feeding on something that's not of this world, something that is eternal, that gives us everything eternal peace, internal peace, internal joy, internal sustenance. And we should leave the world reeling. Why is she so happy? Why is he so happy? Why is he so content? Why is she so joyous? Because we are feeding on something that is eternal. you know how many people that come to me and say, man, if I just had this job, they end up six months later hating their job, The job is not the problem. It's what you're feeding on. Don't fall into the hunger trap on thinking you need things that you really don't need. Can I tell you what we really need? We just need the joy of the Lord. We just need his blessing. We just need his favor. And listen, when you're in the will of God, it doesn't matter how much money you're making, you'll have the joy of the Lord in the midst of not having all the money. Because God will take five loaves and two fish and multiply them. He can take five loaves and multiply it like, with joy in your life, with peace in your life, with strength that you might need in this season of your life. And listen, the devil is an expert, as I said before. He knows exactly what to put in front of you to give you what you think you want, but ultimately doesn't satisfy. I love deep sea fishing. I know most of you, I don't see any real any fishermen out there. I know there's a couple of you, a couple of my friends in here like to fish. I I love, when I have the time, deep sea fishing is one of my favorite things to do. Call it the southern part of me. Um, I've caught lots of different fish, some of them almost as big as people. And um, what I found out, there's there's a specific fish. There's some fish that are more aggressive than others when it comes to fishing. Some that are more apt to bite, some that are a little less uh, you know, active and, and less aggressive, some or a little more skittish. And so, what I found out about the barracuda—how many have ever heard of a barracuda before? The barracuda is a really aggressive fish. He's—he's—he he's, um, eats other fish, and and anytime you go to those buoys and you cast your your line, and more than likely you're going to get a barracuda. But most people don't like to catch them because they're very bony and greasy fish. They're not good to eat if you like seafood, like me. And uh, one thing I found out about the barracuda. Each time I would cast my line and, and reel them in and pull them up, most of them that I caught have been caught before because they have hooks still lodged in their mouths. He had, he, he had no control of his hunger, you see? So I would pull these fish up, and I would do them a favor, and I would pull these rusty hooks out of their jaws, and I'm like, man, these fish just keep falling into the same trap. And that's how Christians are the enemy knows exactly what to put in front of you. If women are your problem, you better believe you're gonna be working right next to a pretty one. If, if men are your problem, you better believe that the next cubicle over, you're gonna have Boaz sitting right next to you. If, if food is your problem, like me, every restaurant that you go to serves chicken wings. But as believers, one of the elementary things that we should know is how to crucify the flesh. That's what the Bible says. Not to obey our appetites. Not to obey our impulses. Impulses are different than urges. You can have an impulse. doesn't mean you need to listen to it or give in to it. If drinking is your problem, can I just say this this morning? You don't always have to fall into that sin like that barracuda. You don't have to allow the hook to get you. This may be controversial, and I believe I have said this once before. As much time as I spend on pursuing Jesus with my whole heart and loving him and worshiping him and reading, I deal with some desires in my heart that should not be there. Oh, you don't have any of those kinds. You don't have any of those kinds of desires. You don't have any of those kind of desires that try to snare you or try to tell you that you're less. And listen, it may not be a lust problem. For me, it was an insecurity problem. And many of us deal with many different snares. And each time, each year, we go through good weeks and bad weeks. And sometimes the enemy hooks you and sometimes he doesn't. For the prophet, it might be depression because they wear the weight of the world on their shoulders. There's some of you in here, you don't have a woman problem at all, but you can't stay away from a bottle. There's some of you in here who don't drink, you don't chew, you don't run with them that do, but you talk about everybody and la di Come on. And that's a trap that you're falling into. Come on. Come on, who am I talking to? I'm talking about being careful of the things that you have an appetite or a hunger for because it's those very things that hook you that keep you bound and keep you limited and keep you restrained in your relationship with Jesus when He wants you to go from glory to glory. Listen, this whole gospel who says you're always going to be this way and you're going to go through this up and down roller coaster, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called good news. Good news means you can be set free, you can be healed, you can be delivered. You can be at peace. You can have true sustaining joy in your life. And you can have true victory. I don't know about what God you serve, but I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And victory is in his hands. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many want to be free? How many want to be actually live out the gospel that's declared in the word of God. How many want true peace, true joy? Hallelujah. And the only way, here's what I thought about that barracuda. If he would only change his appetite, Matt. If you deal with certain struggles in your life, here's the word of the Lord. If you keep falling in that trap, you know that every seven years the taste buds supposedly change. But for the believer... Week by week, our desires should be changing. We should desire... Listen, I read this quote the other day. I thought it was magnificent. Desire God and you will have God's desires. Desire... Smith Wigglesworth said it. Desire God and you will have God's desires. You know why the world wants to enter uh, relationships that are ungodly for them? And not marry, and we want to live lifestyles the way that we want to live, we fall into addictions. This is no condemnation. I've been there. But it's not a sin problem necessarily, it's that they don't desire God. The struggle that you have right now, the struggle is not the problem. When you desire God, you get God's desires. So, what am I trying to say? Stop trying to change the sin and go after God. Yeah. All right. It will change your appetite. The things you want, listen, the things I used to want, Donnie Smith doesn't want those things anymore. I don't want drugs anymore. I don't want women anymore. I don't want to lie anymore. Not because I'm, I'm suppressing my sin problem and I'm fighting to keep the sin problem down. I don't even pay attention to the sin anymore. I just look at him. Look at somebody and say, just look at him. Look at somebody else and say, just look at him. Just focus on him. Just desire him. Just pursue him, and everything else will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and everything else is added to you. Next is we have to crucify our cravings. We don't talk like this anymore in church. Do what you want. Live how you want. Can I tell you what? There is a place. I I just have to park right here for just one second. There is a place beyond the sting of ungodly desires. You know what I thought? I believed this lie, guys. That I I would always want things that God didn't want for me. I, I would always live with the sting of whatever that was in me. I thought I'd always live with insecurity. I thought I'd always deal with uh, lust problems. These are the lies I believed. But but there is a place that you can get to in God when you desire Him enough and you crucify this. God, Holy Spirit, thank you. I just heard the Holy Spirit say, "I will not crucify your flesh for you. You have to do the crucifying. I do the filling. You do the dying to self, and God does the filling." Do you hear what I'm saying? God is not gonna kill your sin problem. He leaves that up to you. Oh, you want scripture, Miss Theologian? It says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. You do the dying, the Lord says, I'll do the Holy Ghost filling. Fill us, Lord, fill your church. Help us to crucify our flesh, our lust, our passions, and help us to desire you like never before. In Jesus' name. Let's quickly look at this example of Adam. Adam and Eve versus the example that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 4. Both Jesus and Adam and Eve had appetites. Everybody say they had appetites. Adam reaped the consequences of his appetite by him giving in, by Eve giving in to the lust of their flesh. And and by the way, may I draw this correlation? When you look at Genesis, which is six or seven thousand years ago, and then you look at Jesus a few thousand years later in the wilderness, they're the same temptations, just different themes happening. Remember when it says, they saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. That's the lust of the eye, yeah. the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now look at Jesus. We fast forward into Matthew. Matt, teach you just for a moment? Yeah. When you look at Matthew, it's the same thing. They sh- he showed him the bread. What is that? The lust of the what? Showed him the bread. Turn these stones into bread, the devil said. Right? That's the lust of the flesh. Then he brought him to a pinnacle of a mountain. Right? pride of life. And then he also set him on a pinnacle and said, jump down because the angels will bear you up so everybody can see you, that they will notice that you are God. What's that? The pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Do you see that? And so they're both being tempted in the same ways, in similar ways, just different themes that are happening. Now watch this. Adam, because of his appetite, he reaped consequences because he gave in to his fleshly appetite. He didn't crucify the flesh. Then God gives Jesus an opportunity to reverse the curse. He wakes up in the wilderness. Where was Adam? In the where? In the garden. And then Jesus, before even his ministry starts, before the power, before the Holy Spirit overtakes Jesus, he picks up where Adam left off. So Adam is in the garden, Come on, I'm teaching this morning. Jesus wakes up in the wilderness, and he is the second Adam. He wakes up in the wilderness to finish where Adam left off. And he, he, he encountered those same three temptations, because until Jesus picked up where Adam left off, we couldn't enter back into the garden. We couldn't enter back into fellowship with God until Jesus made right what Adam made wrong. Are you following me? So Adam reaped the consequences of his appetite. Now watch this, but Jesus reaped the benefits, benefits, excuse me, by crucifying the flesh. You know what I'm tired of hearing? Messages that God's gonna bless you anyway. And it's nothing in our own power or in our own goodness. But there is a level that we walk in where we deny ourselves before we enter into the actual promises of God. The Bible says if we, if we die with him, meaning speaking of you know, spiritually, we die to ourselves, then we will live and we will reign with him. We don't hear that kind of teaching anymore. We hear because most preachers don't want to make fans. They don't want to build disciples. But, but the elementary principle of the believer is to live the crucified life, to not live according to their own flesh. Now, let me encourage you. You might say, well, who wants to live that kind of life? Who wants, to, who wants to live crucified? Who wants to live like that? Well, let me just read a, a portion of scripture to you. It says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. See, we live in an upside down kingdom. We think by getting all these things, if we get the money, if we get the car, if we get this certain grade, we will be satisfied. But the Bible says, if you live according to your own pursuits, you won't get what you want. Can I ask you something this morning? And I ask this with all respect. You pursuing what you've wanted to over the years. Nobody's stopping you. Have you ended up with what you wanted? Are you living out what God promised you? Life is not found in going after whatever you want. Life is found in death. Yes. Come on. To self. The Bible says this. Before you look at I see everybody looking at me like, what is that? What does he mean? Unless a seed grows, goes in the ground and first dies, it abides alone. But if that seed dies, it bears much fruit. Do you know how bad I did not want to start a church? I mean, who wants to give up their life and their privacy? We don't have a big church, but nonetheless, who? I mean, you kind of have to half be crazy a little bit, really hear God or half crazy. I think it's both. But can I tell you, even though I don't seem to have a life, I'm always busy, but I'm always doing the work of the Lord. I'm always trying to give up myself. I'm not saying that privately, but what I'm saying is I'm energized. I'm filled with joy. I gave up my life, but I gained his. If you want the blessed life, give up your life and you will gain his. If you will give up what you think is going to bring you true joy, you will gain his joy. If you give up your comforts and your pleasure and by way of you crucifying your own life, God will in turn bless you beyond your wildest dreams. He'll make ways where there is no way. He'll give you favor. He'll give you true joy. He'll give you lasting peace. Come on, how many want that for their lives? It happens in the crucified life. When you look at Matthew chapter four and I read about how Jesus had this bread in front of him I mean, my hat's off to him. I like to eat. I'm a foodie. He had that food in front of him. And I was thinking, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He had the power to change his situation. He could have ate that bread. But then after I read Matthew chapter 4, at the end of Matthew chapter 4, it says, then Jesus went about healing and his ministry started. I'm talking about this is elementary gospel here. When you learn to die to self, God will then entrust you with his power. God will then entrust you with blessing. He will then entrust you with his favor. He will then entrust you with his anointing. It's elementary. It's, it's, it's at the first rung of the ladder, the crucified life. Paul said it like this. I am crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. We find life by losing it in Christ. Can somebody say amen to that? Come on, stand to your feet. Is anybody getting it this morning? Amen. lastly, Ronnie, if we can get ready to pass out these communion cups. Um, We have to develop. If if, if we're actually going to grow in our relationship with the Lord, if, if, if we're going to feed ourselves healthy spiritual food, we have to first develop a healthy appetite. Everybody say a healthy appetite. This is not the working of your own strength. Can I just tell you that this morning? The team's going to be handing out the communion cups, and I'll explain why in just a few moments. We have to develop a healthy appetite because what we put in our lives will determine what comes out. You know, as a believer, I say this with my own personal convictions. You know how you know what's in you? I'll just say it like this. I'll use the analogy of a lemon. You've probably heard this analogy before. If, if, you, if you squeeze, thank you, if you squeeze a lemon, what comes out of it? lemon juice if you squeeze a banana peel a banana should pop out if you squeeze an orange orange juice should come out can I ask something I say this with all respect even to myself I say this why is it when we get squeezed by some pressures in life that a Christian doesn't come out of us if we are Christ followers and you come to a place where you're not able to pay the bill that month when you're squeezed what comes out when somebody offends you I mean I I try to justify it somewhere in the scriptures but I can't help but read through and find places like Matthew chapter 5 You're called to be peacemakers. I I, I don't understand why when the world squeezes us, when tough situations squeeze us, when our spouse squeezes us, when tough times hit and we get squeezed, why isn't Jesus coming out? Can I tell you? This is no condemnation, But, but it is a time to reflect and ask the question, what have i been feeding on because if we feed on him when we get squeezed his peace comes out his joy comes out his anointing comes out look at each time that jesus was squeezed as a matter of fact i'm reminded of the scripture in the garden of eden life was hitting jesus pressures of life he's in the garden he was like a lemon but juice didn't come out the Bible says the pressures got so hard that his corpuscles broke and his sweat became like drops of blood and guess what he could have obeyed the lust of the flesh he was trying to get out of it oh you didn't know he said this father if it be thy will Let this cup pass. Let me out of this. But then he said this. He crucified the flesh. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. When life squeezed Jesus, even looking at the cross, when life squeezed him, when the devil squeezed him, obedience came out. When you get squeezed, does obedience come out of your life? Are you able to say, like Paul said, it's no longer I who liveth, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Do you have a healthy appetite? Are you feeding on the Lord? You heard me. Quoted just a few minutes ago in Matthew chapter five, verse six, it says this blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled. Not for hunger, not for those who hunger for the things of the world. They stay empty. Listen what it says in the message Bible. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. As I have this cup in my hand, a lot of moderate churches, they still do it once a month and I'm not knocking that. But this is something that the Bible says to do often. This is nothing but elements that are a representation of Jesus' body that was broken for you and me and his blood that was shed for your sins, for the forgiveness of sins. Can I tell you this? The only way that you're going to get out of this sin trap, the only way that you're really going to suppress any appetites that you might have that you know aren't good for you could be a relationship. It could be a belief system about others, about God, about yourself. We all have our faults and our hangups. But can I tell you this? Like this scripture says in Matthew, if you can put it back up on the screen, in the Message Bible, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, you're blessed. When you've worked up a good appetite for God, for he is food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. Can I tell you what's going to suppress your appetite for the things of this world? By feeding on the only one who's able to save, to satisfy, to set you free, and to bring you into an intimate relationship with him. Only then will you experience true joy, lasting joy, and lasting peace before we take the communion I want to read this last verse I know I've dumped a lot of scripture on you today but in John chapter 6 verse 35 it stood out to me like a north star as I was getting off the couch this morning I woke up early just meditating on a scripture I could leave you with it says this in in John chapter 6 verse 35 and it will be up on the screen says and Jesus said to them I am the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst I have a question this morning what are you hungry for what are you thirsty for Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.